0: Well, thank you, Michelle, and thanks, worship team. On behalf of all of us, I know that uh, our whole church is so grateful to be led musically every week uh, as we participate and sing these songs together. It's actually a little unusual, isn't it, to be in this big space. Um, there's even some uh, areas that are kind of getting some work on, some, some repair right now, and it's odd for us to be so separated right now, and so it's an incredible gift that we could be linked together. So thank you for, for joining us. Um, whether you are a longtime follower of Jesus or maybe maybe you're um, new in your faith, or you're just asking questions. I know that this whole COVID-19 uh, time period is raising a lot of questions, and people are exploring faith. Maybe that's you today. Thanks for coming and joining. We are here. Because we believe in what we just declared in that song. Jesus still changes everything. And so thank you that you would join. We are holding on to that promise. And as you know, we're going through a series right now where we're looking at Psalm 23. In fact, uh, we titled this series Replenish. Uh, And I can't think of a better title for uh, the weeks that we're going through right now because, in all honesty, It doesn't feel so much like we're being replenished as much as maybe it feels like we're being diminished. And so wherever you find yourself joining us today, thank you for connecting with us. It is not by accident that God has put this Psalm 23 right in front of us during this time. It's a big deal that we could dive into this scripture. I was having coffee with my daughter earlier this week. She's a high school student and, uh, and we were out on the back porch just sipping some coffee and she was saying, you know, whenever she wakes up in the morning, she both uh, loves and loathes Reading the news. I mean, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever news feeds that you're dialed into, whatever TV stations you're watching, we are so saturated with information, facts and opinions, and and things are shifting constantly which is why getting into God's word is such a big deal for us right now. Maybe, maybe you've gone fishing or boating um, sometime in the past, and maybe you were the anchor person, and you were responsible for throwing that anchor out and trying to get it to catch a hold of something so that boat could be steadied and so it could lock into place. Maybe you feel right now like you're in a boat that's shifting and you cannot get that anchor to catch to catch hold on anything you're in the right place, in the right time. And this scripture is so timely for us to dive into together. And so here's what I'm gonna ask that we do. Um, In fact, it's an old tradition, actually dating all the way back to the Old Testament, that the people of God would usually stand, often they would stand when they read God's word together. Uh, In Nehemiah, when Ezra, the prophet Ezra, would, would declare and proclaim God's word and read it out loud, the people of God would stand. And so I'm gonna ask, if you're comfortable uh right there from your home would you stand and read this aloud with me kids stand up with your parents and uh, let 's read this psalm it 's not a, a very long chapter in fact i can 't think of a of a more popular psalm um, that's that 's more well known uh, a, a scripture that that even non Christians often recite and know maybe john three sixteen would run neck and neck in a in a competition but psalm twenty three is so familiar to us but let 's read these words together would you stand And after we're done reading, you can sit again. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Let's review, first of all. Let's, let's go back. We're in week three uh, this weekend, and, and Pastor Matt has taught us in the first couple weeks, we've been looking at the first two verses. First of all, what I love about Psalm 23 is the way King David starts this particular piece of poetry. He starts with the Lord. Uh, as we've learned, the Hebrew there is Yahweh. What an incredible model here that David shows how we should always start, not with our own circumstances and our own situations, but to always start with who God is. In fact, that's one of the first lessons I ever learned back in the early 90s when I was uh, attending uh, in college and I would come to Northland while I was in school and on break. And one of the first things I noticed about this community of people, this group of people that calls themselves Northlanders, is that they always began with who God is not who we are, always looked to what God was about, not just our circumstances. And so it's not by accident that King David is putting the emphasis here on Yahweh, on the Lord, who's in the driver's seat here. Is it, is it him? Is it us? And so it's a big deal that King David starts this way. But not only does he show what it looks like to start with God first, to wake up in the day or to approach a new situation or to experience uh, another anxiety or doubt or struggle or challenge and always lift our attention to God first. But he also makes uh, this, this piece of poetry extremely personal in nature I'm sure it's jumped out to you in reading this chapter, the incredible personal language That David uses. If you think about it, in all of scripture, of course, we are a whole body of Christ. We are a capital C church, the kingdom of God, all of us collectively together. Um, There's a a community aspect, a communal holiness in which we walk together. But what, what King David does here so strategically and intentionally is show that our relationship with God is very personal in nature. It's very intimate. It's why we can say we have a relationship with our creator. We have a relationship with Jesus. It's because of the personalization here uh, that's reflected in how King David writes. And I, I love this piece here in green pastures right now. Many of us are living in this space, the square footage of our own homes and and it doesn't look maybe so much like a green pasture. But I was reading this week about what does it look like for us to live in what some anthropologists refer to as a liminal space. In fact, I was just reading about this, um, and I didn't get a chance to to put it in a slide. But I wanted to share with you, a, a liminal space is basically a, a transitional or transformative um, time and space that you find yourself. It, it's... it's, it's where you, you, you know you're not going to go back to where you were, but you're not quite where you're headed either. In fact, um, one of my favorite authors and writers, Cheryl Fullerton, writes this, when we find ourselves in liminal spaces, does it matter whether we are pushed or whether we jump? Either way, we are not where what we were before. We, were, we are not where or what we were before, nor do we know how or where we will land In our new reality. I love what what she quotes here from an anthropologist, Victor Turner, that what we do is we find ourselves betwixt and between. What does it look like for us as a church right now, as a community of faith, as a country? around the world, to be in this liminal space. This psalm teaches us a lot about what it looks like on this journey, to pay attention to these green pastures, these in-between places. Church, I know a lot of us, including myself, we are often thinking about how we want things to go back to normal, the old routines, the way things used to be. And there's so much of that that I can't wait for us to get back to. But I pray for something greater than that. I pray that the church would go into new spaces, what will it look like for us not to return to a normal but to a radical what will it look like for the church to come together and be renewed and revived and maybe maybe begin to think through in the 21st century the ways that the church can lead like it's never led before and so psalm 23 reminds us uh, that there's both a corporate nature in our faith but it's a very personal faith and often What's so critical is that we are walking with our shepherd, even in those liminal spaces, in those green pastures. But here's what I want to do in verse three. That's what we're going to look at. If you have your scriptures, you'll notice we're looking at the second part of verse three. Yahweh leads me, the Lord leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What does that mean for us today? Let me ask you a question. Have you you probably haven't been on a trip recently, I'm guessing. But think back to when you actually took those road trips, right? Um, maybe for some of us that are older, before there was even phones and GPSs, which I know I can still get lost even with those apps. Um, but think back to when we had like paper maps, kids. I know that some of you, when you go to a theme park, I know my son, he loves to get a map every time we go, and he wants to navigate and, and show us where to go. And often we get turned around and backwards, and, and sort of end up going the long ways. Um, kids, you may not even remember what it was like for some of us before cell phones. Uh, we would actually go on road trips and, and the map person who had a very stressful job was trying to navigate and look at how many inches there were, there were on a map and, and how many miles that represented and where we were going to have a next pit stop and calculating all the hours. Um, and for a lot of us men, Honestly, we would get lost, right? Um, and, and we would get turned around and we would never want to admit it. Um, men, I know you're watching and you we may not be agreeing, but whoever's with you will probably agree. This happened to me actually on uh, the day that we got married. Addie and I, as we were leaving and they were throwing rice or birdseed or whatever they were throwing at us, we, we, I say we, I literally got us lost from there to the airport. Uh, that's actually how we started our marriage. When it comes to taking road trips, When it comes to this journey that we're on, what we find is that often, even though we are living in the confines of our homes right now, maybe we don't feel so lost around uh, the space that we live in from room to room, but there's a lostness that we're feeling internally, a displacement. In fact, another favorite writer of mine, Ronald Rollheiser, in this book that I'm still reading, uh, The Holy Longing, he writes this, it is no easy task to walk this earth and find peace. Inside of us, it would seem something is at odds with the very rhythm of things. And we are forever restless, dissatisfied, frustrated, and aching. In fact, what I, I find so amazing about what uh, Rollheiser was writing, he wrote this in the late 90s. And here we are facing this microscopic disease that it's affecting us so physically. But back in the late 90s, Rollheiser was describing a dis-ease that all of us face in our lives. Maybe it starts off benign enough. Maybe it starts off not feeling so threatening. It's, it's just a restlessness that we have in our house. Or maybe it, it, it feels a little bit like a longing but it can turn into a disquiet, a disorienting, and maybe even some shadows begin to come around us. And Rollheiser talks about what can start off so benign and seemingly um, non-threatening. It can turn into a loneliness, an emptiness, a depression, a lostness, a darkness. Many of us find ourselves in that place right now. I know for... A lot of our family, people that we know, friends, part of this church community who here in Central Florida are a part of the entertainment industry and and work at theme parks and and restaurants and all the places where uh, all the creative arts are such a a, a big part of our community. Many of you are jobless right now on furlough, trying to figure out where the next paycheck is coming from. And that dis-ease is settling in. It's going from a shadow to a darkness, and many of us are feeling that way right now. We're being impacted by this COVID-19, this disease that displaces. But there's also this internal battle, this dis-ease that we're all fighting and struggling with right now. And along comes Psalm 23, colliding head on. With COVID-19, it's a song that reunites, that regroups, that draws us back together and puts our attention back on the creator instead of ourselves. And so what I want to do is, for the few minutes that we have, is look at who the shepherd is. In Psalm 23, we're talking about the Lord being our shepherd. I look at who is this shepherd, actually, that, that King David is writing about, and, and where is the shepherd today in the 21st century, and what is the shepherd up to? First of all, what I, what I want to refer to in starting off is, as you know, we are a, a monotheistic, believing uh, faith. In other words, we believe in one God. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and so the question is, which one of those actually carries the function of shepherding. And when you look at the scriptures from Old Testament to New Testament, what you actually find out is that shepherding is a shared attribute and quality of all three parts of the Trinity. In fact, uh, jump to Exodus 13, verse 21. You might remember when the Israelites left Egypt and as they were traveling and journeying, God watched over them. It says this: by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. There's an incredible picture here of the shepherd being uh, something that God has always do has always been doing. God the Father has always been overseeing His people. We also know that the Son that Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. In fact, in John, it says this, I am the good shepherd. Jesus teaches, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. One of the great seven I am statements where Jesus is referring to his divinity his intimacy, his oneness with God, that even Jesus has a shepherding component. But what I really wanna focus on today is the Holy Spirit and the shepherding that the Holy Spirit actually brings to us today. In fact, Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit. He was with the disciples and the disciples were grieving. They were feeling um, great sorrow and sadness because Jesus had been teaching them that he wasn't always gonna be with them. And that, in fact, he would have to leave them. But this is what Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, This word helper, it's actually uh, translated from the Greek. It, it translates to the word paraclete. Uh, depending on which Bible translation you're using, that was the ESV version where it, it describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. But other de- uh, translations would use words like comforter, advocate, or counselor. It's a complex uh, word to translate into the English. This attempt to describe who the Holy Spirit is. The question is, where is the shepherd? Where is the Holy Spirit today? When Jesus ascended back uh, to heaven after we celebrated Easter, the resurrection, and Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came, where is the Holy Spirit today? What I want to remind us, uh, especially during this critical time that we're in, that we're facing as a community, as a nation, is that the Holy Spirit is close The proximity, the nearness of of the Holy Spirit is right here, right now. He's with me in this big empty space. He's with you where you are watching this, joining right now. But he's not only watching over all people. The Holy Spirit is watching over you and I specifically It says this in Psalm 121.8, The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So what does it look like? This Holy Spirit that is so intimate and near, that is constantly watching, eyes constantly seeking out where we are, and present with us. I was thinking of some stories this week. I don't know if, if sort of um, these weeks have taken you to a, a nostalgic place, but for some reason this week I was thinking of a couple stories and um, of of. Kind of in preparation for the sermon, and I was thinking to a story that one of our shepherding elders uh, told years ago. Uh, we were together, and he was uh, telling me about some time that he had with his son Pete Travers. Many of you know Pete, and uh, and this was back when his son Jonathan was four. Jonathan's actually married now. Many of you know Lauren as well. Lauren's expecting; they're expecting twins. So. Way to go. Pete Travers is about to uh, add a couple more as a granddad. But on this particular day, long before uh, Jonathan uh, was married, in fact, Jonathan was four years old, they, uh, he and his dad had noticed that out in the, in the yard, um, a water line had broke. And maybe you've had this happen and, and the water just starts coming up and people make phone calls and maybe it takes a little bit of time for the utility folks to get out there. And meanwhile, the the ground just kept getting saturated and, and it was forming these amazing looking puddles that Jonathan was so desperate to get out to. And so he and Pete went out there. Lori was off doing something else. And, uh, and as they went out, they were just playing in it. And you can imagine as a four-year-old boy just jumping and having the best time. Well, eventually Pete ran out of steam and he was trying to wrangle Jonathan to get back inside, but Jonathan had clearly not had enough. He wanted more. And so Pete put Jonathan's bathing suit on and he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash up here in the bathroom. The window's going to be open. You can play right here on the other side of this wall where I can see you. And Jonathan was thrilled. He went out and started jumping and playing and messing around and just getting covered in this mud as the water kept pouring and pouring and pouring in. But Pete was describing what happened uh, in a flash. As he was washing his hands, he all of a sudden looked out, and Jonathan jumped up. And when he, when his feet hit the ground, instead instead of finding firm ground, he just went completely under. Somehow, the water had saturated the earth so much in this one particular spot that it had become so muddy and murky and 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 watery that instead of finding ground, a hole had formed that in fact uh, took Jonathan almost completely under. Pete's a pretty big guy. Maybe you've met him before. He would tell you he's a big dude and a lot of people don't think big guys can move very fast. But Pete on that particular day probably could have broken some NFL combine records. He was out there in a flash and he grabbed Jonathan and pulled him out of that pit covered in mud, neither one of them saying anything to each other, just holding each other, looking at each other. And Pete said what he could tell in, in Jonathan's eyes was simply a look that said this, I knew you would come for me. Church, that's, that's the proximity that we have of the Holy Spirit who's always watching, always near. We may not feel that even now in this time of feeling displaced and disoriented, maybe feeling a little distant, not just from people, um, but feeling the separation even from our creator. And I want you to remember this promise that the Holy Spirit is near us right now. Secondly, what does the shepherd give us? And there's so much that the Holy Spirit does. In fact, I shaved this sermon down so much just to get it to a couple points, but one of the significant Uh, purposes and activities of the Holy Spirit is to infuse purpose into each of us. The Holy Spirit is the one that gifts us. He gives us holy spiritual gifting so that we can not only have great skill and talent, but we can use what God has given us to bring glory to to the Son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes us essential the other story I was thinking of this week is uh, another elder of ours, um, Tim Wright. He he served on the elder board some years ago. He owns a number of McDonald's in the area, and years ago he was telling a story of a grand opening that they were having at one of the the McDonald's. And maybe you've gone to one of these grand opening type of of festive um, events, and you know there's balloons and cake, and everything is just amped up for all the celebration and Tim was in there with his staff, and uh, a lot of the staff had moved over from different McDonald's so that they could open up this, this restaurant in a strong way. But there was this new guy named John, and, and some of the other staff were concerned about what is John going to do on this opening day? I mean, it's going to be stressful. You know, everybody's going to be kind of on edge, and you want everything to be perfect and run smoothly. What do we do with John? And Tim uh, started thinking about it, and he said, put him on filet of fish Uh, because as uh, the way Tim described it to me is apparently filet of fish is something you can't mess up. And so uh, John is back there, you know, just on his shift, constantly dropping that fish and serving and people are pouring in and coming in and out and and they're having an amazing opening and comes time for John's shift to end. He comes out, he takes off his apron and uh, he goes over to Tim and he says, hey, that piano that you rented, do you mind if I play on it a little bit? Um, and and Tim looked at him and thought he really didn't want just somebody over there banging chopsticks. And so he, he asked John, um, do you play? And and John said a little bit, which didn't give uh, Tim a lot of great confidence. But he thought, okay, he'll let him try it for a minute or two. Well, John went over to the piano and Tim described uh, John sitting there without sheet music and just starting to create the most amazing joyful music and that piano came to life and that space came to life and all of a sudden these great gifts um, that that John sort of had buried beneath his talent that Tim wasn't even aware of began to uh, infuse and inspire and reignite the mood and the atmosphere and people stayed longer and celebrated more church Each of us has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. We are essential whether we are listening to the lies of the enemy or not. It doesn't change the promise that the Holy Spirit has equipped each of us and empowers each of us with this holy spiritual gift. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you should look at this whole chapter later. It says this, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. In fact, you're going to see the Trinity represented right here in this, in just these sh- uh, few short verses. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Every one of us has been gifted, no matter how difficult the circumstances might be right now no matter how much we might be thinking we are hashtag not essential the holy spirit says otherwise and so i want to encourage you today this week as we begin to think about what it means for us to live in this liminal space to remember the promises of the nearness the proximity the closeness of the holy spirit he is watching over us and to remember that in the nearness, the Holy Spirit brings great purpose to each of us. We may feel very limited in what we can do right now from a skill set standpoint, but we still have influence uh, within our own homes and with people that we can connect to. Use those holy spiritual gifts to encourage others to build up the church as the church is out there instead of gathered in here. I want to close just with this quote that um, you might remember and I actually saw it just yesterday. Somebody posted it as well uh, from the movie The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Frodo, this hobbit, this character has been given this enormous responsibility to take this gold ring that has so much power in it and and his goal, his purpose is to get rid, to destroy that ring and of course th- those who are after him, the enemies that are after him are looking to devour Frodo and steal uh, that ring back. And so Frodo starts a journey. He finds himself in that liminal space, that liminal paradox. And he's in a conversation with Gandalf the wizard. And this is what he says to Gandalf. He says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf said, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Church, let's enter into this space, not with fear, but with courage. Let us enter into this space, deflecting the lies of the enemy that were not not essential. Let's embrace the nearness of the Holy Spirit and use our gifts today. Let's do that as we continue to be the church out there, everywhere, every day. Let me pray. Father, we are amazed that you would love us with such intimacy and closeness and nearness that you would want to shepherd us, that you would want to come, Jesus, and be near us, and that even as you return to the right hand of the Father and you are no longer physically present here, your Holy Spirit draws us near to you. Father, would you remind us of the promise even of, of this time and space where we might feel like you are not present. And we're asking some hard questions right now. Would you fill that space with your love, your joy, your peace, and your purpose? Holy Spirit, would you lead your church right now in new ways like we've never seen before? God, may we be anticipating when this is over and be preparing ourselves for that day But may we be living today in the power, the proximity, and the purpose of your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that we have this Tuesday. You do not want to miss this last year for Giving Tuesday, May 5th. We had an amazing uh, time of uh, just giving. It was an extraordinary day celebrating uh, the financial gifts. Um, It was just stunning the way the church responded. This year, we have three actions that we're looking at uh, that we want to do on this Tuesday. So mark your calendar. You can get more information on on this on our website and on Facebook and our Our social media. You can give money. Um, You can go on to our Facebook and uh, give through there. We're raising money for those that have been impacted uh, most deeply by by the COVID-19 pandemic and job losses and all those things. Uh, The money will go towards helping those people. We want to give food. There's going to be instructions online with things that we are collecting. We're going to open up uh, the parking lot in a very organized way. It'll follow all the social distancing protocols, but you'll be able to pull in from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Tuesday. And in your trunk, you can have uh, items from the list that you'll see online, and uh, there'll be a team there that will take those out. We would love to see you, wave at you, and just celebrate. Um, Even just being able to see some friendly faces that we haven't seen in a long time, so you can give food. And you can also uh, sign up online for an upcoming opportunity to serve in June. I know that's kind of over a month away, but we're already anticipating and, and getting excited about what that might look like. We'll be thinking about creative ways to do that under whatever circumstances we find ourselves at that time with with COVID, but be thinking about all of that. What an awesome opportunity for Northland to join together, link arms, and do something together that will have a powerful impact here in our local community. Between now and then, let's pray for each other. Let's stay connected together. Uh, Would you continue to join us in our devotionals every day at 9 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m.? We'll see you all along the way, and we'll see you next week, and we love you. Goodbye.